Nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. Hello everyone, it's Jonathan Watts and welcome to Greatness. Today is part three, the final part of the mini-series of Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant. And today we're diving into both of them and diving into the differences and similarities of their journeys, of their lessons, of what they can teach us. And then at the end of this, I'm going to give you one big takeaway that I take from both of these guys that I think is the biggest thing I learned from studying their stories, studying their lives, studying their greatness. So I want to start this episode off with the differences between the two of them. And there's actually only two I'm going to dive into, but they're two really big ones, I think. Now, the first one is their defining moments. If you listen to part one and part two, we talked a lot about the defining moments that really changed the course of both their careers and how polar opposite they were. And and their defining career, specifically Kobe's, is a representation, a perfect representation of life and what the defining moment is for many people. Now, if we look at Jordan, his defining moment was in college, his freshman year in the NCAA basketball championship against Georgetown. It was UNC versus Georgetown. The score was 61-60. Jordan got the got an open mid-range shot from the left wing with about 15-20 seconds left. He hit it, and it was the game-winning shot. That was the game. That was the moment when Mike became Michael Jordan. That's when he had the confidence and belief that he could really do amazing things. After he made that shot, Jordan talked about how he felt so confident that he could become a great player, that he could get to the next level and have an an instant impact, that he could get to the next level and be a star and maybe get to the next level and be the greatest player ever, which ultimately he would become. So his defining moment was of success, of glory. Now, if you look at Kobe's, it was the complete opposite. So Kobe got drafted right out of high school at 18 years old. And in his rookie year with the Los Angeles Lakers, they went to the playoffs and they made it to the second round against the Utah Jazz. And they were down 3-1 in Game 5. Or they were down 3-1. And then going into Game 5, in the final seconds, it was tied with about 15, 20 seconds left. And they called a timeout. And Kobe told his coach, give me the ball and I'll give you a bucket. I'll win the game for you. Kobe had that belief in himself at 18 years old. He went out there, got a mid-range jump shot, and airballed. And then they went to overtime, and Kobe proceeded to airball three more times. Now, I think what you need to understand before we dive into this is Kobe is 18 years old at the time. He has just airballed four times in a row in the biggest game of his life on national television. And he's only 18 years old. He got criticized from his teammates, from fellow players, from coaches, from analysts, and from millions of fans across the world. He had to face a shit ton of adversity when he was 18 years old. And that's a type of moment that kills a lot of people. That's a type of of moment that kills the belief of an 18-year-old kid. His confidence is all gone, and he never becomes the person he could be, or in Kobe's instant, the player that he could be. But what's interesting is Kobe actually used the event, that situation, that ops cause motivation 
His belief never wavered. He got back to the gym that night. After returning to L.A., he went to go shoot at 1, 2 a.m. until the sun rose. He was going to use his defining moment, his failure, his adversity, his roadblock as motivation to be the best player he could be. And I think those are two entirely, or they are two entirely different defining moments. Jordan was success and glory. Kobe's was failure and disappointment. But I think Kobe's is a great representation of life. That we're going to have a defining moment where things don't go for us. We're going to face an obstacle in our road. And if we have a choice to make, we have a choice to attack it and use it for us, or we can complain and it can be used against us. If you choose the former, greatness ensues. As Kobe showed, you keep going, you don't give up. If you choose the latter, which a lot of people do, life takes you by and you don't become the person that you could be. Now, the second big difference is this idea of obsession versus controlled and irrational obsession. Now, Kobe and MJ were both intense competitors. They had an intense drive to be great. But they were still different in this aspect of obsession. Tex Winter, who coached both Kobe and MJ and and, and was the culprit behind the triangle offense that gave both us Bulls and the Lakers so much success throughout their careers, um, said of the two, he said, the most dedicated athlete I've ever worked with by far is Kobe Bryant. Jordan would do the extra work when he needed to. Kobe was always going. His dedication to being the best basketball player, to me, was unparalleled. Now, when I think about Jordan, I think he had controlled obsession. He wanted to be great. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to be the best ever. He wanted to win championships. He wanted to get to the mountaintop. That was his goal, and he was obsessed to it. But he had sort of a controlled obsession where he still had an outside life. He had his own little posse that he created that he would play cards with. He would smoke cigars with. He would stay late up into the night talking to and spending time with. He would spend a lot of time on the golf course, away from the game of basketball, gambling, betting, having fun, just getting away from the pressures of the NBA, of the game that everyone was putting on him. He had kind of an outside and social life. So he had this controlled obsession, which requires sacrifice, but not total sacrifice. That's kind of how I like to define it. Kobe had an irrational obsession. It was basketball and only basketball. After after a disappointing uh, season one year, someone asked, a reporter asked him, Kobe, what what are the offseason plans? He said, basketball, that's it. That's all he go that's all he's going to do. And that's all he did. Kobe didn't have friends outside of the game. All he really did was basketball. He was practicing, he was studying film, he was in the weight room, and he would repeat that every single day. He had an irrational obsession where it was total sacrifice. I think that's where you have the two differences. Controlled obsession is some sacrifice like if you're obsessed about something you have to sacrifice some things whether it's social life whether it's friends and family whether it's your health whether it's community whether it's other personal endeavors or things you like to do you have to sacrifice some of those but not all of them irrational obsession and complete obsession is sacrificing everything for that single thing kobe didn't sleep much kobe didn't hang out with people outside of basketball, everything 
was basketball. And I think that's a big difference. They were both obsessed, but their obsession was a different type. MJ had a controlled obsession. Kobe had an irrational obsession. So those are the two big differences between Kobe and MJ. Now, I want to dive into a lot of the similarities. And these have been mentioned in the previous two episodes. um, But I think they're really important to talk about more um, and go a little bit deeper with them. I think when when you hear about the lives and the stories, one common theme between the both of them is just the confidence and the belief that they had in each other. There was a Chicago sports writer, Lacey Banks, who said on MJ, his competence was exceeded only by his confidence. MJ was so good at basketball. He had mastered the game, mastered his skills, mastered his mindset. Yet, as much as he mastered that, his confidence was still greater than his ability. And I think it's when you put those two things together, confidence and belief plus skill and ability, that's when you can do crazy things in this world. That's when you can can achieve great feats and amazing heights, when you have both those things. You need confidence and belief, and then you need to supplement it with high skill and ability in whatever field or craft that you are doing. And MJ had that all throughout his life. And as we talked about, that was only skyrocketed by his turning point, the shot he made in college, which gave him that belief and confidence. Now, Derek Fisher, a a teammate of Kobe Bryant, mentioned about Kobe. He said, the more you experience time around him and get to see him in different situations, the more you understand that all it is is confidence. It's not arrogance. It's not his personality. He's not a selfish person. He's not a guy that only thinks of himself. He's just a guy who has an immeasurable amount of confidence in his ability to play the game. Now, I think it's really important to have confidence and belief in yourself, but you also have to build belief. Belief comes from evidence. What that means is you have to put the work in. You have to be obsessed like these two to prove that you have the ability which leads to belief. So you need to not only have belief in yourself, but that belief needs to be built on evidence that you can actually do things, and that stems from work, which Kobe and MJ exemplified relentlessly. They were always in the lab. They were always trying to get better. They were always pursuing their craft. And because of that, that led to that irrational confidence and belief. And I also want to mention something I mentioned in the Kobe episode. But it's not just important to have belief, but it's important for that belief to never waver. When Kobe was 18, his defining moment, he airballed four straight times. He got, he got killed by millions of people. His belief never wavered. Belief won't guarantee you win, but belief will guarantee you that you don't stop when you don't win. That belief cannot waver when things don't go your way. That is the key. That is what the greats have, and that's why they keep going. Because no matter the result, they always believe in themselves. They always have confidence, and that allows them to keep going. And when you keep going, you give yourself the chance to accomplish more and more and more. Now, the second similarity is a really cool one, and it's this idea of like self-made motivation. A lot of times when you get to the mountaintop in a field, which Kobe and MJ both exemplified, MJ was the best in the game, he had won three in a row multiple times, Kobe was considered the best game, he had three-peated, he had been to the mountaintop. Sometimes you need other things to motivate you. 
winning doesn't motivate you every single day because you've been there. You, you, you've gotten to the end. So sometimes you just need these little things to motivate you. And that's what Kobe and MJ did. Donnie Carr, who was a high school rival of Kobe, said he would just look for anything that would motivate and challenge him. He had the same mentality when he was a young guy that people would talk about later. He was always trying to find something that would fuel that fire and have him playing with that edge. He had a lot of that in his game back then. He also used Shaq as motivation when Shaquille O'Neal left the Lakers. Um, that motivated Kobe because he felt like Shaq was the man and Shaq got most of the credit. So when he left, he wanted to prove that he was the man and that he could do it on his own. So Kobe would use teammates that left him, remarks from coaches or players, to fuel him on a daily basis outside of just getting to the mountaintop, winning a championship every year. And MJ did the same thing. I mean, Steve Kerr, his teammate, coach of the Golden State Warriors, now said, if you look at his path, it's filled with moments of sort of created challenges for himself to raise his level. The thing that amazes me is that the standards he set are so unbelievably high that it's almost unfair that he has to maintain them. And and, and Kerr mentioned that the, the moments of sort of self-created challenges, there's that story, the fake story he made up of after winning a title, it was a March game against the Washington Bullets, and a rookie by the name of Bradford Smith scored 37 points on Chicago and on Jordan. And afterward, Jordan claimed that Bradford Smith told him, "Nice game, Mike." And he promised that he, Jordan promised that he would then score 36 points or 37 points on Smith by halftime. He did so that next game and finished with 48 points on Smith and the Wizards. Now, it would come out years later that he actually made up the story to get him going for that game. And that's what we're talking about, this self-made motivation. Sometimes when you have a lot of success, when you get to the mountaintop, you need to come up with these little fake stories or you need to use these little snide remarks from your coaches, from teams, from other people to get you up and get you motivated for these less important games in the regular season or games that just don't have as much value. Now, the third similarity of the two is the importance of a team and having a Robin. I think if you look at the greats, whether it's companies, um, athletes, businessmen, businesswomen, everyone has a team. Steve Jobs had Wozniak. Um, All companies, all great people need a team to do great things. It's hard to do it by yourself. And if you look at Jordan, the first four years, four or five years of his career, he struggled. It was He was a one-man show. It was just him and only him. It wasn't until he got Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson, one of the greatest coaches ever, that he started to win, that he was able to overcome the demons of the Detroit Pistons who had beat him three years in a row and finally get to the finals and then ultimately three-peat, not just once, but twice. You need a team. It's hard to do it alone. And that scene with Kobe, kind of backwards, though. Early on, he had his Robin and his team. He had Phil Jackson, he had Shaquille O'Neal, and they three-peated early on. But then when Shaq left, when it was just Kobe, he struggled until he got another running mate in Pau Gasol in 2008 and 2009 when they would go back-to-back. So it's so important that you have someone with you if you're trying to accomplish great feats. It is hard as hell and almost impossible to do shit, amazing shit, 
by yourself. You need a team. You need a Robin. You need someone by your side. And I think both MJ and Kobe exemplify that. Now, number four is you need to be like a sponge. Kobe and MJ both shared the same superpower, and that was the ability to listen and the ability to be curious. Mo Howard, who was an NBA player, spoke on Kobe. He said, Kobe was like a sponge. If he wanted to know something, he'd come and ask you. Show me how you do this. Show me how you do that. And, and Kobe saw learning as empowering. He listens very intently. Because the more you listen, the more you understand. The more you understand, the more you can apply. The more you apply, the more you can fail and ultimately progress and add to your craft. So Kobe was like a sponge. And so was MJ. Coach Dean Smith, uh, uh, Michael Jordan's college basketball coach, said, I had never seen a player listen so closely to what the coaches said and then go and do it. Even Jordan recognized his superpower and his ability to listen. He said, my greatest skill was being teachable. I was like a sponge. Even if I thought my coaches were wrong, I tried to listen and learn something. That's something we can all take from MJ and Kobe. All of us need to be more like a sponge, no matter who you're talking to, whether it's an executive, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a student, whether it's your son, your parents, your daughter, whatever it may be, everyone can teach you something. If you can learn to be like a sponge, to listen intently, to listen to understand, not listen to apply, you're going to learn more, you're going to be more, and you're ultimately going to become more. So be like a sponge and listen more, but also be curious. We kind of talked about Kobe and how Sports Illustrated talked about how no one used their imagination more than Kobe. Imagination stems from curiosity, asking questions, um, wondering how you can use new skills or new abilities in his game. You need to be curious. You need to be imaginative in your pursuit of excellence, in your pursuit of greatness. Um, so be like a sponge, be curious, and use your imagination. Now, number five, and the last one of the similarities that I'm going to dive into is... You need to be a fucking competitor. Whatever you do in life, you need to compete. Whether you're an athlete like MJ and Kobe, whether you're in business, whether you're in school, um, whether you're an artist, an actor, whatever it is, you need to compete. Competitors win, not all the time, but when you compete, you at least give yourself a chance to win. And MJ and Kobe were relentless competitors. They hated to lose, and that drove them. Um, in high school, Kobe was determined to never lose a drill or contest. In fact, he went basically his four years with a near-perfect record in that regard. And Magic Johnson would say on Michael Jordan, I thought I was the most competitive person I ever knew until I met Michael. And as we talked about in episode one or part one of this, Michael Jordan would come to practice like it was game seven of the NBA finals. Every day he practiced, every day he showed up to play the game, every day he actually played a game, it was basically like it was game seven of the NBA finals. He would just he would try to destroy you, he would try to break you down physically and mentally. And that all stemmed from him being a competitor and wanting to win. So I think in whatever you're pursuing in life. You need to be a competitor. You need to compete with another company. You need to compete with another person. Or you just need to compete with yourself. It's you versus you every day. Try to get better. And I think that's what most people should do. Compete with yourself, who you were yesterday. Compete with that person and try to be better. If you do that every day, you may not win, you may not succeed, but you are going to make progress, which is the ultimate form 
of success. So in your pursuit, whatever you're after, be a relentless competitor. Now, there's one last thing, one big takeaway I want to take from this. And it's a quote from Kobe Bryant, but I think it exemplifies both Kobe and MJ. And when I read this, I was like, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and it just represents both of them so well and a key lesson in life. So, so the quote is from Kobe, and it says, The moment is bigger than the injury. You don't feel the pain. I'll say it one more time. The moment is bigger than the injury. You don't feel the pain. Now, this was right after Kobe had torn his Achilles um, against the Golden State Warriors. I think it was in 2013 or 2014. He tore it. He knocked both free throws, and he walked off on his own. And if you know anything about an Achilles injury, it's the worst injury in sports. Um, but in that moment, he said, the moment is bigger than the injury. And it comes back to this idea that whatever you're chasing, the, the, the results, the glory, the joy of whatever you're after, that has to be bigger than the daily struggle you are going to go through. The people who accomplish great things have an amazing capacity, a great capacity for pain and struggle. That's why they can keep going. But it's also because the thing that they are after, the glory, the results, the joy, the feeling that they are after of accomplishing something is so much greater than the suffering that they have to go through on a daily basis. So if you want to accomplish great things, you need to find something that is worth the daily suffering. For MJ and Kobe, it was trying to become the greatest basketball player ever. It was trying to win championships year in and year out. Those results, the feelings they got from that, were greater than the pain of lifting weights, than the pain of showing up to practice every day and pushing their bodies to the limit. It was the pain of making sacrifices and coming up short in other areas. So the glory and results that you will get from the thing you're after have to be bigger than the daily struggles or the struggles you will go through up to that point. If they aren't, you will quit. You will come up short. You will not get to where you want to go. So peeps, that's a wrap on the series, on this episode. If you enjoyed this little mini-series I did, please let me let me know. I do plan on kind of doing some more of these. I think I'm going to do a Jobs versus Edison one in the near future. And then dive into some other people as well. So, please share this on social media platforms with anyone else you may think who enjoyed this mini-series or this episode in general. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. If you haven't checked out my new book, Chasing Greatness, Timeless Stories on the Pursuit of Excellence, you can check that out in the show notes below. And if you enjoyed this little mini-series, check out Roland Lazenby's books on Kobe Bryant called Showboat and then on Michael Jordan called Michael Jordan uh, or My Life, The Life of Michael Jordan in the show notes below. I want to give him credit. Great books, and they dive even deeper into what we talked about in these episodes as well. Keep going. Keep chasing greatness. Keep impacting this world. Peace. I am the greatest. Nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks.